Hello, everyone. It is The Insurgents, Episode 7. Uh, it's Rob Rousseau here. Hey, Rob. C- come on, man. <laughs> you're, just doing, you're just doing it to bug me now. Now I am, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, it's, it's Jordan Yule. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a pretty lighthearted uh, mood here in Insurgent Studios. I mean, actually, mm-hmm. let's pop that bottle because we've been saving yeah. some good stuff here. here. Go. Let's get, this, let's get the, the bubbly flowing here because cause, uh, we're entering a no malarkey zone right now. That's right, baby. Let me tell you, there's no, no malarkey beyond this point. Uh, we put in a lot of work for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I always knew, I mean, I knew deep down inside my fucking heart that mm-hmm. our boy, Joseph Biden, mm-hmm. would win one presidential primary in his 40-year effort mm-hmm. at running for president. I knew he had it in him, and he got it done tonight. You got, you got to love it. You got to yeah, love it. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're seeing these results come in. I mean, at zero percent of the results when they were in, yeah. I te- well, I mean, what I texted you, I said, "Dude, on lock, our boys <laughs> got this. Like, this is it. This Huge. is the moment we've been waiting for. Like, the Bernie stuff, sure, yeah, we, we kind of like them, but like, in our hearts, we are Biden bros. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I was, I gotta say, I was a little turned off this week by some of the the some of the stuff the Bernie campaign was doing. I, I tried oh. to turn a blind eye to a lot of the 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 stuff that goes on with this campaign. But mm-hmm. when I saw this week that he was, and it, 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 this is disgusting to me to even talk about it, but Repugnant. the fact that he was campaigning oh. in Massachusetts, oh. which is where, which I believe is where Elizabeth Warren, that she's a Senator there. Yeah. Well now, yeah, I wish you wouldn't have reminded me because here <laughs> we are again. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That, Con- that content warning for, for some of the, God. just, fuming over this <laughs> yeah the audacity of bernie sanders to think that he can campaign in massachusetts yeah a super tuesday state who the fuck does this guy think he is yeah no it's you think you know somebody right and then you know they go and turn around and just do mean stuff like like I'd like try to win an election that they're trying to, they're currently trying to win the, the election for the democratic nomination for president. And it's, you, you hate to see it. The fact that he's, he's out there campaigning and stuff and kind of doing, doing the normal stuff that you try to do when you're trying to, when you're trying to win delegates, I guess. <sighs> Awful. He, we've talked about this before on the show. He is so selfish. He he claims to be a socialist, but here he is yet again trying to hoard all of the delegates. Uh, di- redistribution, much Bernie? Yeah, yeah. But I do like while we're talking about Warren, you do have to congratulate her on a very strong fifth place finish in in South Carolina. I mean, she's just cruising. She's cruising right now, and you gotta you gotta give it up for her. And that's why it's so disgusting that Bernie's campaigning in her home state. Yeah, I mean, a clear position to win there. Uh, you know, pro- I would say I would go so far as to say the front runner. Um, and yeah. maybe Bernie's campaign needs to recognize that. Yeah. Well, do, I mean, we, Bernie should definitely drop out after tonight. I think we can agree on that. Uh, really terrible <laughs> performance tonight, uh, mm-hmm. finishing in second. 
yep. uh, in South Carolina. <laughs> Previously, as we've discussed, you know, finishing second in the previous primaries was really good, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want it's, that's where you want to be as a campaign. Clearly, it's different tonight. Well, yeah, um, South Carolina is a totally different state, so yeah. that's why. It's not yeah. named Nevada. It's not named New Hampshire. So yeah. when you consider all those other facts, yeah, second place is, is bad. <laughs> yeah, drop out. <laughs> Do better, Bernie, first of all, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, you got to drop out because it's, uh, it's not looking good, my friend. It's not looking good. But... Um, <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> also... <laughs> Moment of silence for Tom Steyer dropping out. Yeah. That he backed that ass up all the way out of the presidential race. <laughs> he did. But he also produced some of like the funniest moments of this primary, like completely That's true, yeah. inadvertently. Like yeah. comedy gold from that guy. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, that just wanted to say hi to Bernie. Mm-hmm. Thing there was that that time when he was kind of trying to talk to him and he got the he got brushed off by Bernie <laughs> yes. on the on the video. Yep. And there was the, the backing that ass up, viral viral clip that dropped. You got yeah. He's a lovable guy. I don't. I don't. You know. I think that we should be taking away his money, uh-huh. but I think he personally like should be allowed to like continue to have an okay standard of living. You know, he seems he seems okay. Yeah. No no Central Park uh, <laughs> stuff for for Tom Steyer. <laughs> Did you see? Um, Chris Matthews got yanked from MSNBC's coverage yeah. tonight. <laughs> yeah. And, not like, a moment no. too soon. and now it was his time, his time to shine. I know. He's going to been happy so for upset. once. Oh, he would have been overjoyed. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think the last, he like, who did he confuse for? He, Tim like, Scott confused? for Jamie Harrison. Ugh. Which, it, I, I mean, not like, they're great. both, they're both South Carolina politicians. Jamie Harrison is challenging Lindsey Graham. For his Senate seat, Tim Scott is the other senator from South Carolina. They're both bald black men, but other than that, they do not look alike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and he was already on the air. He was already on the air with them, so like Chris Matthews could see him in the monitor, um, and not not good, not good. Not a, not a great couple of weeks for Chris Matthews. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. Um, okay, so so let's let's. I got a couple more minutes here, Jordan. Uh, let's let's actually break down this primary here and what happened tonight. Like, is it time? To, is it time for people to panic? You think I, I'm seeing some some Bernie people losing it a little bit, and uh, you know, I get it's disappointing. I think I had kind of talked myself into the into the possibility that Bernie was going to flip this, uh, and you know, I don't think people should be like losing their minds over it. I think like it, like. Biden, the Biden campaign, they poured all their resources into winning this one race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did that. So good job. Uh, but we're headed towards a, a situation in a couple of days that I think um, is good to uh, be probably a different result for, for Biden and for, for Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, sure. We, we have, I don't know how much is in now, but... It looks like, I mean, clear runaway victory from Biden. And also the numbers, the per- percents, closely mirror uh, Nevada's results. And the one and two just kind of flipped. Like Bernie had 46.8%, Biden had 20%. And now uh, Ber- uh, Biden has 48 and Bernie has like a little north of 20. So, you know, similar results, different states, caucuses might come into play there. But also going into Super Tuesday, this is just kind of probably moot. Because Bernie is polling like 
above and beyond uh, Biden in yeah. a lot of these states, and including California, where Bernie is the only one viable. Um, so yeah, it sucks, but like I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if it sucks. I don't think it's that big of a deal because this is a red state, not really reflective of the Democratic voter base, uh, from largely because I mean it's just like more conservative than most other democratic states yeah and well it's a state that they have no chance of actually winning in the general election right right absolutely and then it's just like then you go into other states like california uh you have states like washington uh minnesota those are those are states that are totally uh on on the table on the board on the board and massachusetts included as we alluded to earlier so sure it sucks but you're you're not gonna win every primary that's that's fine like no yeah. one, no one wins all fifty primaries, or well, fifty seven or eight, including the territories. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was, I think I was maybe like talking myself a little bit too much into, um, you know, Bernie either flipping it or making it really close. But so it's it's disappointing, I guess. It's disappointing for people, but, um, you know, the the real test is going to be on Tuesday, and uh, yeah, I don't think people should be panicking. I'm seeing some people like kind of losing it on the timeline a little bit, but I don't think people should. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. There's a little quote from a little band called Third Eye Blind. Oh, we're getting uh, Great some, track. some music references. Yeah. Very, very cool hip band, <laughs> Third Eye Blind. <laughs> but everyone knows that song. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. That's cool. Um, so what's happening on the show today? I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be on the show. This is just, this is all. This is all you're going to uh, hear from me this week. Uh, uh, Yeah. You're not going to be here. Cannot wait. No. Oh. I, <laughs> no. Oh. Wow. Uh, no, I guess I got to carry all the work on this episode. Uh, <laughs> Alex Alex Koch, who does a, just tremendous uh, money and politics reporting, he's joining me for a conversation about um, the rise of super PACs in this race and the spending uh, by super PACs. Um, in Super Tuesday, so we've seen a we've seen a spike in big money, and also you know we'll talk a little bit about the Bloomberg stuff. We'll talk about um, our revolution and how they've been smeared by groups and groups like Sunrise, who are being mischaracterized as dark money groups, which is simply because of their tax status and how they file. Uh, and also like they're like you know they're, they're however they're organized because it's like. It's kind of it's a kind of complicated thing where groups might have a, the same title or same you know super PAC label as a giant multi million dollar organization, but it's ultimately just how they file their taxes and what they're seen as and what they filed as with the IRS. So Alex yes. is going to come on and help break that down, so you, the listener, and me too, better understand these terms and how people throw them around, how they're applied to certain groups. Uh, and and also we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know the persist pack that we, we've seen rise uh, out of nowhere and so and they've spent a ludicrous amount of money over the fourteen last... million dollars like the past yeah. two weeks for Warren uh, someone who has who had previously pledged not to take super or you know rely on super like, pack money like three weeks ago like not, yeah <laughs> not, yeah they were just like not, literally not using it as a, as a as a as a not as an applause line at the debate so we'll 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 see cool. Um, We'll see how that impacts Super Tuesday, but yeah, Alex is gonna help break it all down. Great. Well, yeah, that's it. I I booked like a like a family fun week uh, for our, our March break here uh, mm-hmm. a couple months ago before we started doing the show, and it's kind of hard to plan around your like 
ludicrous labyrinthine primary process that <laughs> goes on endlessly forever. So, uh, I mean, I, just I will be say, back. I just want to um, say, I did, us. I did record, I did record from the hotel in Nevada. Just, just, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, enjoy, man. I hope it's great. Yeah. And you don't have a little four-year-old climbing all over you and screaming at you and, you know, jumping all over the place. It makes it slight, makes it slightly easier as we heard on on our episode with Benjamin Dixon. Right. Right. I mean, I've got a cat, which is pretty much the same thing and probably harder. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. I'm pretty much just being lazy. Yeah. Um, But, uh, okay. Well, all this sounds good. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the episode. Don't try not to miss me too much. Try not to like lose it. Um, uh, before I go, what do we have to plug? Leave a review. Leave an iTunes review, please, mm-hmm. of the Insurgents. Trying to make it a good one. You know, <laughs> so, we get a lot of, you know, crap, crap, crappy reviews. To be honest, and I think people do need to step it up a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so do that. Subscribe to theinsurgents.substack.com. Uh, I think that's everything, right? That's all the plugs. Email us. I want to get some emails so we can read on the show. Yeah, They're yeah, funny. definitely. Theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Uh, send us some stuff. We can start reading reading your uh, emails on the air, on the show. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. So please, send us, uh, send us your thoughts. Send us your, you know, who you want to see on the show, your commentary on the show, uh, whatever you some insults uh yeah about ken if you want <laughs> all it's all fair game yep okay well um enjoy the interview with alex Koch, everybody i will be back next uh episode we're gonna break down the super tuesday results uh, at the end of the week and uh alex Koch will be back uh we'll be on the <laughs> we'll be back with with alex Koch <laughs> in just a few minutes not we jordan will i'm not mm-hmm. gonna be there no. But in just a few minutes. You are not welcome. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Tough but fair. That's that's what it is. Sorry. <laughs> How's your day going? Oh, I'm I'm getting to the end of a hangover. It's, thanks for uh, thanks for bearing with me. Um, Big event last night, or just like a just, just like a like college friends got together. Yeah. Um, nice. Just those are always just fun. Kind of forgot to hydrate, so yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think at least That'll my brain's you. I think my brain's working okay now, so could be worse. Yeah. It could be. It could be. So I've got Alex Koch here. He is an expert on money in politics, and we are going to break down all of the big money going into Super Tuesday and all of these words and terms that are being thrown around by candidates, uh, what they mean, how many are actually uh, fairly applied, uh, and what's going on uh, in the Democratic primary. So Alex, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Happy to be here. Great. So, okay, first question. We hear this word all the time. What is a super PAC? Good question. Um, yes, a lot of people are confused, and for good reason, because our campaign finance system is ridiculously complicated um, <laughs> and allows lots of different ways uh, for money to enter the system. So, yes, a super PAC is a political group, uh, a political action committee 
um, but is a special type of PAC that can receive unlimited amounts of money, um, and the donors can give unlimited amounts of money uh, to the super PAC, and the super PAC can spend unlimited amounts of money on elections, on direct expenditures, you know, telling voters, vote for this candidate or vote against this candidate. Um, they are required to disclose their donors to the Federal Election Commission on a regular basis. Usually in election years, it's once a month. Um, so I think most of the active super PACs now are, are filing um, at the end of every month. Um, but we actually don't get to, to find out the donors and the other details of the filing until the 20th of the following month. So um, a lot of reports for January came out in February 20th fairly recently. So there was a lot of reporting around that about a week and a half ago. Um, so, you know, they are not considered dark money because they are, quote unquote, transparent in that they have to report their donors to the public. OK, so but you just mentioned they um, are the funding window and the transparency and reporting window. It lags behind uh, by about a, a month or so. Yeah, by about 20 days. So basically someone could have in the past week or so. Pumped millions into a super PAC. And we don't know who that money is coming from until after Super Tuesday. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, I would call that a, a pop-up pack. And as I as I imagine you're alluding to, there have been a couple pop-up <laughs> packs in the Democratic primary, uh, namely the one supporting Elizabeth Warren, who ran a campaign against Super PACs and chastised uh, most of her other opponents just in the New Hampshire debate, I believe, for having outside support from Super PACs. Um, in the meantime, since then, the Persist Pack has popped up and has uh, already booked $14.8 million worth of advertisements in Super Tuesday states. And I think included in that is about $3 million or $2 million, um, spread amongst, I think, maybe the first, or maybe maybe it was South Carolina and Nevada or something. Um, but but mm -hmm. most of that money, most of the fourteen point eight is going into Super Tuesday. Um, and yes, we don't know the donors. We won't know them until March 20th. Uh, Warren reportedly... Just, I think, yesterday or the day before, asked the Super PAC to reveal its donors ahead of Tuesday when, when many states vote, and the PAC refused. So that's, I mean, that's what was alleged to have happened. Um, so yes, we're not going to know those donors. We're also not going to know the donors to the Amy Klobuchar Super PAC, um, uh, Kitchen Conversation, no, Kitchen Table Conversations PAC. Um, uh, uh, you know, it just slips off the tongue there. And um, yeah. that's also spent a couple million already, too. And we don't know those donors, and we won't we won't know them till um, the twentieth of March. Jesus, this seems like a pretty easily exploitable system where you could just pop. And it seems like also the the some of these groups are also like against other candidates, right? So it's like they they clearly are running. Um, you know, like we've seen we've seen other groups running ads uh, that are just like explicitly anti Sanders. Maybe they're not super PACs, but they're you know, a lot of these advertisements aren't just for a candidate. They also do oppose spending, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty common, too. I mean, it really it really kind of depends um, what what sort of message they want to send. I mean, it looks like the Persist Pack is, is just a pro-Warren message. It's kind of a happy, uplifting message about her um, persisting. And, um, you know, the, the for one of the packs that you might have been referencing uh, against Sanders was or is the um, DMFI PAC, the Democratic Majority for Israel PAC. It's, um, it's a group that is um, staffed, it seems mostly by kind of centrist Democrats, so they call themselves Democrats. They're pretty closely aligned with APAC, which is not seen as a very democratic organization, uh, more conservative mm -hmm. group. But um, yeah, they have they spent a, a, I think it was, I believe it was um, 
something like seven hundred thousand in Iowa, and then, and then maybe six hundred thousand in New Hampshire. I think against Sanders, uh, didn't seem to work, but um, I actually would have to check. I, I do think um, it is a super PAC because um, I think they may have had to file one disclosure so far, but I'm not sure. I have to check on that. Uh, and there's been others too, certainly. Um, Obviously, it's important to mention the, the other major super PACs that are backing Democrats. Unite the Country is the pro-Biden one. I think they've spent around 7 or $8 million, but they're going to, I'm sure, disclose more spending quite soon. Um, but again, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's, it's not as much as, as Warren's, the pro, excuse me, the pro-Warren super PAC uh, that has spent almost $15 million. Um, even Andrew Yang, there are two super PACs that were, that were spending six-figure amounts, at least on him, uh, until he dropped out. Um, so most of the candidates do have supportive super PACs. Again, um, well, I should say that they're not allowed to coordinate with the candidates. That's something I, I, I did not mention uh, up till now. But super PACs are, are legally not allowed to coordinate with campaigns at all. So um, there's the supposed firewall between the super PACs and the candidates. Often the PACs are staffed with kind of recent or former um, staffers of the candidates, so uh, it's the, the kind of thing where you, you know, we might not know for sure that if they're coordinating, but it, it could happen. Um, there's other instances where, actually, <laughs> ironically, um, Elizabeth Warren's uh, campaign manager got got pretty angry on Twitter after uh, someone from the Buttigieg campaign tweeted about the need for ads about Pete's military experience in Nevada ahead of the Nevada primary, um, almost a signal to to vote vets, which which was backing. Uh, Buttigieg with a couple million uh, in terms of what kind of commercials they wanted to run in, <laughs> in Nevada. So um, there's very there's varying degrees of kind of secrecy around coordination. Some, I'm sure, obey the rules and, and some certainly don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're a big factor and they're pretty much benefiting everyone in the Democratic race, um, including Sanders, but to the to a much lesser degree. Uh, one one thing I do want to point out, uh, the, the coordination thing. Like, so you mentioned the tweet from the Buttigieg staffer or advisor or whatever. Um the as someone who has made political videos uh for like nonprofits and, and political groups the funniest thing uh that is clearly designed to get content to those groups is they'll just dump really great b-roll without any music or without any text over it on youtube just on their youtube accounts like here you go here's some b-roll yeah. for everyone to use because once it's out in the public it's fair game isn't isn't mcconnell known for doing that yes yeah right. absolutely yeah, totally. Uh, I don't know if they're, if Pete did it, but uh, he's actually out now. So how about that? Right, right. Just dropped out. Uh, this we're recording on Sunday night, um, which does you know shake up a little bit. But uh, you mentioned a second ago. So Sanders has a, a smaller organizational and institutional support, but he's really been uh, attacked, especially by other candidates for having these these dark money groups. The 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 dark money. Nine dark money groups that that Pete liked to throw around, and you mentioned earlier that Warren has used a line on the debate stage about how she didn't have a super PAC. Uh, now she does. So could you help? Like, like we have we have PACs, we have super PACs, we have five hundred one c fours, we have dark money. What what is actually happening? And and as it applies to Sanders specifically, who does support him, and what kind of like financial threshold is there? So um, Sanders, unlike the others, um, does not have a big outside. Big money, super PAC spending money for him, buying a bunch of TV ads, which is generally what they spend money on. He has a constellation of, of very small, very um, you know low spending 
super PACs um, that are basically arms of the nonprofits that are backing him, the, the progressive grassroots organizations like Sunrise Movement, DSA, Dream Defenders, Popular Democracy, things like that. Um, so when Pete Buttigieg uh, claimed that there were nine dark money groups backing Sanders, that's incorrect. Um, a dark money group, just to take a step back, is essentially a nonprofit because 501c3 and 501c4 nonprofits don't have to disclose their donors to the public. They only have to disclose them to the IRS um, privately. So, um, and C3s are pretty strongly restricted from politicking, but C4s are allowed to do um, up to 50% of their activities can be electoral politics. Um, now, that's not that w w when I say activities, it, it really means half of their revenue or less can be used on politics. Um, but the IRS is really not enforcing this to an egregious degree. Um, there is some almost, you know, uh, I just remember in 2014, there was a, uh, I was in North Carolina at the time, and there was a super PAC, I'm sorry, a dark money C4 group that backed Tom Tillis for Senate. And the head of the PAC, who then went on to be the chair of the, I believe the chair of the North Carolina Republican Party, admitted um, drunkenly on television <laughs> that night, the night of the election, that 97% of the money had gone towards ads for Tom Tillis. So, um, I mean, we've got people <laughs> admitting on television and the IRS does nothing. So, uh, and also the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, does very little. Uh, and now they can't, they're not actually able to do anything because they don't have a quorum. Um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm digressing a bit. But to get back to Sanders, um, so out of the nine groups that formed a coalition and kind of announced at the same time that they're all going to work towards getting the vote out for Sanders, um, only one of them, Our Revolution, is is a nonprofit. Our Revolution does not have an affiliated super PAC. So it's a C4, quote unquote, a dark money group. But even that group discloses its donors uh, who give $250 or more. Um, so while that is not, you know, it's it's essentially not under oath. It's not a, it's not a, um, submission to the FEC. It's just a list of names. We don't know how much each person gave. It is still a level of transparency that hardly any quote-unquote dark money groups have. Uh, in addition to that, Aida Chavez just reported for The Intercept the other day that our revolution in 2019, according to its spokesperson, um, had only six donations over $5,000 and none were larger than 25000 So when you're comparing something like our revolution to the Persist Pack that in a matter of days accumulated $15 million or more to spend on Warren's behalf, you know, you really can't compare those two. Um, and as far as I know, our, our revolution is doing what the other groups are doing, which is just getting out the vote, um, encouraging people to vote. Uh, I I talked to a lot of the groups for an article for Sludge I did a couple weeks ago, um, and uh, you know they, they all said the same thing. Yeah, we, we formed a super PAC so we can make direct political expenditures. It's a separate account, separate bank account. It's actually the best way to do it because it's transparent and, and it's completely divorced from your nonprofit group. Um, uh, and then you you know it's all it's all out there for people to see, and they're doing things that most super PACs don't do, you know, which is which is get out the vote efforts, canvassing, text messaging, um, printing literature, campaign lit T-shirts, I mean all this kind of stuff. So uh, kind of you know campaign like work. So um, I about a week ago I put I just kind of did a, a perusal of the FEC records, and so this is as of the twenty second of February, like. Um, only one group had even spent six figures. That's People's Action. It was just just at a hundred thousand um, dollars, and then um, the other larger group is a union. It's like the California uh, Nurses Association, which is a union. Um, it fully funds a super PAC called Vote Nurses Values PAC. So that's spent six hundred sixty-four thousand. 
for Sanders. Um, I believe it was a combination of maybe radio ads and um, a lot of organizing too, um, just getting out the vote in California. So they spent a lot of money, much more than the other groups. But again, if you if you want to compare it to the big money super PACs where we don't know when any of the funds are coming from, uh, or you know, with like a nurses organization that is is essentially driving union dues into a super PAC that they're spending to help get the vote out. Again, it's not really a, a fair comparison in my book. You know where that money is coming from with the nurses. Like you just said, it's coming from union dues. You don't know where the money's coming from these super PACs that's like the the kitchen table issues one, the Biden yeah. one, the Warren one. That's the difference. Like it's a huge difference. So we see this, these accusations, these these dark money accusations. We see it. They're going after our revolution. They're going after Sunrise. They're going after these grassroots uh, groups. As someone who covers this stuff extensively, uh, what do you think about how the media generally has been covering these types of you know campaign uh, mudslinging? Oh, I think in general the media has done a terrible job. Um, and again, you know, campaign finance is really hard. Um, but I, I think that if you're going to be you know, writing for the Associated Press or Politico and you're going to misstate facts um, and you're not going to kind of uh, write about any nuance you know, into this, this discussion, I think it's pretty irresponsible. There's actually a political article that I see on Twitter every day. People who don't like Bernie Sanders like to put it in my replies. I've read it many times. Um, it is, so it's about our revolution, and it, it, and it, but the, the title actually is misleading, and it, it makes it seem that our revolution is a super PAC when it's actually not. Um, but you know, as I just explained, they're both political spending groups, so it's not really that big a deal. But you know, in terms of Warren's criticism of, of when she was on the debate stage and she said, everyone but me and Amy has, has these big money super PACs backing me, um, you know, I immediately was like, no, it's not true. Our revolution is not a super PAC. Um, but the, I think the title of the article was like, Sanders has the, in our revolution, comma, Sanders has the super PAC support that he decries or something like that. So it's, I mean, that's a, everyone reads the, you know, if they're just going to read the headline, that's what you think it's a super PAC. But, you know, so that's just a, a sort of factual error that happens, uh, perceptually, if not in, 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 in action. Um, but uh, I think, you know, the difference between the Dream Defenders Super PAC, which has spent something, again, as of, as of about a week ago, they had spent $27,000 um, getting the vote out for Sanders. This, is a, this comes from the Dream Defenders, which is a group, a Florida-based um, group, uh, mainly African-American uh, members, who, which formed after the killing of Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, it, 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 it was very early on in, in uh, Black Lives Matter. So um, the idea that, you know, that they're equivalent to a big money super PAC is ridiculous. And they're very offended, along with a lot of the other groups I talk with. They're, they're quite offended. The Sunrise Movement is very offended by Warren's statement. Um, and she's continued to, to kind of, uh, excuse me, um, Pete Buttigieg continued to, to badmouth those groups and, and mischaracterize those groups, and I guess, until he just dropped out. And maybe we'll see if he continues. But um, I'm going to hit that unfollow button. But, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> it, you know, to, 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 um, to sum it up, yeah, I, I think the media's done a bad job. I tried to clarify things by writing a piece for Sludge, a pretty involved piece, on the 10th, on February 10th. So uh, I encourage folks to just take a look at that if you're confused. Um, I, it is getting shared a lot now, which is great. Um, but I, I just I think there's very little nuance, especially in, in media that doesn't really um, isn't really doesn't feel very charitable towards Bernie Sanders, as we've seen in a lot of the mainstream media. They're not really inclined to make that distinction so much between um, the Dream Defenders pack and kitchen table conversations. You mentioned earlier, like Pete had been hammering them and these groups are offended. But also it's important to point out that 
these candidates, like Warren and Pete included, were desperately vying for the endorsements from some of these groups as well. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that say about like the state of, of politics and how, uh, like, I don't know, just like the, how quick the knives will come out for these types of groups? Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, it's it's a tough race. You know, there's a lot of candidates. There's a lot of bad blood now. Um, there's a lot of calls for civility, for unity, all this stuff. I mean, obviously, the unity thing's out the window. Um, but I, I guess what, what, what irks me is, is when candidates who call for unity over and over and say that they, they're the unity candidate, uh, in, in Warren's case, uh, and then they go and attack these groups that, yes, they were trying to attract. They, they did not get the, the um, nomination, but they maybe they could have had or, or could in the future have good relationships with. And, you know, I, I think Warren's path to victory is, is pretty much a dead end. But um, if she did have a, a, a legitimate path towards an, a large number of delegates, like she, she's going to want those people in her corner. Right. And and I, I don't think they're going to love to uh, get in her corner after she was essentially bad mouthing them on the debate stage and, and doubled down on it. Uh, the interviews afterwards and the next day her campaign doubled down on it. You know, that's just not really uh, uh, that doesn't sound like unity to me. Um, and you know Biden um, can't really say anything because he had the first super PAC unite the country. He he famously reversed his um, his no super PAC pledge I think in November after he had a very bad third quarter fundraising, and then Warren did the same thing when she um, was at the time she had a very um, she had a very uh, bad quarter fundraising and I guess she she raised a bunch at the end of February because of her debate where she skewered Michael Bloomberg. But uh, I think in general, she's still hemorrhaging money. You know, a lot of these people who aren't raising as much as Sanders are spending all of their money. Um, so even if even if they're raising a lot, they're spending a lot. And so um, I think for her, it's pretty convenient that there's this giant super PAC that's spending on her behalf in Super Tuesday states when her campaign can't afford to match Bernie Sanders, for example, in terms of campaign ads that they're that they're purchasing. You mentioned uh, you can't coordinate between campaigns if you're on the campaign you can't coordinate with a super PAC so let's just say I'm, I'm running for president and a super PAC the uh, Jordan is the best super PAC pops up um, but I don't want that so what do I do as a candidate to shut that down yeah I mean I, you know technically speaking there isn't anything you can do um, yeah if allegedly they're they're not coordinating so they're up pe- I mean people can have super PACs if they want um, the thing is you can you can you can say, listen, um, guys, you just formed, you're, you're talking about booking ads for me. I, I'm not comfortable with that. Please don't do it. You're, you're going to co-op my messaging. I want, you know, I want to be the messenger of my campaign. I don't want people out, out there doing it. Warren, you know, did not do that. She made a choice and did not do that. Um, you know, before the pack even kind of formed, she was on the debate stage almost kind of saying it was a, I think it was an interview after the debate. She said, well, the only two people who don't have super PACs are, are the two women in the, in the race and kind of making it some kind of feminist thing that, you know, she needs to open herself up to super PAC money uh, as a feminist statement. Um, I read a very good op-ed in The Guardian today that was kind of saying that's not exactly feminism, but that's not really for me to say. Um but, you know, once it came, then she said, yeah, well, look, if everyone would agree to universally cut off all our super PACs, you know, tell them all no, then I'll do it. But I couldn't get everyone to I couldn't get it. She said she couldn't get anyone to agree to that. Um, you know, we don't know if that's true or not. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that was true. So she's essentially saying, well, we've already got you know all these other people with super PACs and I'm just going to I'm going to get mine, too. And mine just happens to be like way better funded than anyone else's. Um and I will say, just as a, as of no, we don't know the funders, but we do know that Emily's List gave two hundred fifty thousand dollars to to the pro Warren and the pro Klobuchar super PACs. They did admit that at one point, um, but that leaves out a lot more millions of dollars. We don't know where it's coming from, but my guess is there's probably more from Emily's List. 
um, and and as as was kind of leaked uh, a little bit before all this happened, Women Vote, which is the super PAC, the official super PAC of Emily's List, one of their paid vendors had drafted an anti-Sanders ad that was supposed to, according to the the text around it, they said it was supposed to trick voters into thinking that um, something Sanders said uh, had been said by Trump. So they were trying to equate, you know, Sanders and Trump, I guess, on women's issues, which is ridiculous. But, um, you know, this is they, they were at least considering attacking Sanders um, directly. So you have to think that, yeah, those same interests are, are going to be behind the pro Warren Super PAC. But we, we'll have to wait and see until 17 days after Super Tuesday. <laughs> right. I, I remember seeing that report. I think it was um, I think it was Virgil Texas of Chapo Trap House that had the leak. Yeah, document. Sounds, right, sounds right. And. Yeah. They had like kind of a, he had a storyboard of the ad and it was like making you think that it was leading up. The grand reveal was going to be it was about Trump and it was all of these dangerous attacks on women and choice. And the, the grand reveal that was that it was Sanders and it was widely criticized and panned. And even Elise Hogue, the, the president mm. of NARAL, the pro-choice uh, advocacy group, came out and was like, no, what this is this is nuts. Don't do this. Sanders has a 100 percent voting record on choice. This is terrible. Oh, so you actually saw like the you saw the the screens from the ad? Yeah, he had the he had a a couple screenshots oh. of like the storyboard itself. I think I only saw I only saw like one picture in the text. So wow, yeah, that sounds even worse than than I thought. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember when Elise Hug did that. And I was like, word, okay, you know, good. Someone's speaking out. So I, I don't know if they're gonna run it. And they probably won't now. But um, maybe maybe the maybe yeah. the the strategy is more just go pro Warren and not go anti Sanders. Right. So another thing that we saw pop up um, over the past couple of days, and maybe you could shine a light on this, and how kind of these networks uh, and these, like, you know, the people who, who jump from group to group or org to org, it, uh, is there any truth to the claim that the treasurer of the Persist Pack has military and um, uh, oil ties? And what in what that might have, what implications that might have on, is to, in terms of like bundling or or where they raise the money for the super PAC, things like that. Yeah, well, when when Persist PAC came out with its first filing, I, I did look up the person whose name was on the the filing form, the, the treasurer of the PAC. Um, I did notice that he you know he works for a, a campaign compliance, essentially like a campaign compliance uh, firm. So he's just contracting with Persist PAC and probably with plenty of other PACs. Uh, I guess if you look at his history, he's worked with a bunch of centrist Democrats. He was at one point, I think, the president of uh, sort of like a some kind of energy security group or something that I think was pro pro fracking or pro pro American oil, you know. Um, the thing is, though, that, you know, I, this person is not part of the campaign. I honestly think it's just a vendor. I mean, when you're when you're running a campaign uh, or if you're forming a, a super PAC, excuse me, like outside of the campaign, you, you have to outsource a lot of the work. Um, a lot of times the, the, the people who found a super PAC don't have the expertise to, like, file correctly with the FEC and make sure they're crossing all their T's off and dotting all their I's. So they contract with someone. Now, what it does indicate is that the people behind the super PAC certainly – decided to go with this kind of centrist guy who has a, a, a distant, it looks like a distant past that was at least briefly involved with, with kind of the oil fracking or, or oil extraction promotion. But um, I don't think that really has any implications on the super PAC itself. I just think maybe, you know, if they're using the, some, someone they know or someone they work with in the past or, or, or they were recommended to, it really doesn't have any implication on the super PAC itself and where the money's coming from. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'd be pretty surprised if, if there was like big oil money going into that super PAC. Um, but again, gotcha. it just, it does just show that like this is, they're working with establishment contractors. 
so for you know do 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 what that you know, do with that what you would like we 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 kind of started out with the granular and the specific about the types of organizations and that kind of stuff but if i'm if i'm listening to this and i don't really have a firm opinion either way why should i the listener care about this like why should i want to if i if you're making the case that super PACs should not be in in politics uh why why should i care well because you know whether it's an outside group or it's a campaign that that's money that is directly influencing the outcome of an election um and so do we want outside interests um people who have a lot of money who essentially are getting to have more quote-unquote political speech because of their money um, in 2010, uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruled in favor of um, unlimited outside spending by individuals, by companies, by unions, etc. Um, in the Citizens United uh, case, Anthony Kennedy wrote the um, he wrote uh, the decision, and he said, you know, he said corporations are people, and money equals speech. Um, I think some of the some, the money equals speech part had already been. Um, I think from a previous uh, a previous SCOTUS ruling, but what it did was it expanded massively the amount of money you can spend on elections. So your everyday person doesn't have a couple mil to throw to super PAC to support their favorite candidate, right? So it's it's inherently undemocratic, I think, to have unloaded outside spending. It really, un, like even even just allow, let's say there was let's say there was a cap at twenty five thousand per person who could donate. That's still incredibly undemocratic. Um, I mean, I'm a. I've been covering campaign finance for seven years, and um, I think that first of all, every dollar should be transparent, completely transparent. I think there should be no corporate money, no corporate PAC money, and I think that it should all be money from um, public funding. So there, like Seattle has, I think something called the Democracy Dollars, and um, the city gives out four twenty-five dollar vouchers to every resident, and those residents can give out those vouchers to. Four candidates, they can give you know fifty to one and twenty-five to two. They can give all a hundred to one candidate. So I think they do that for the city council, and it's just in its, its infancy. But um, the idea is certainly very democratic. Um, p- candidates who participate in, in that kind of financing, the democracy dollars, cannot accept, I think, really any outside donations. Um, I think if that were in full force around the country, that'd be much better. And it also encourages people to get more involved. I mean, if you, you've got $100 vouchers and you, you can only spend them in one way, which is to give it to candidates, and people are going to do more research. They're probably going to vote in higher numbers. Um, you know, and that's a great thing for democracy, too. So um, in other words, yeah, I, I think that um, the idea, whether it's a, a nonprofit, a dark money nonprofit, where we don't really even know where the money's coming from, or it's a transparent super PAC where we eventually know, but um, granted, these are these are going to be big donors for the most part, the ones that are giving to Persist PAC and Unite the Country and all those. Um, you know, they're really undemocratic, and uh, just that that's that's kind of goes against what our country is supposed to be about, in my opinion. So, what would that look like on a national scale? Like, what would a national uh, public funding of campaigns look like? I mean, I haven't followed the specific proposals really so much yet. I know that I think part of HR one, which is the Democrat, um, the democratic bill in the house, um, that was kind of a, a sort of, uh, grandiose kind of government ethics and democracy reform bill that was passed at the beginning of, of the last Congress, uh, of this Congress, sorry. Um, it does include public financing for congressional races. I think it's probably along the lines of what the presidential public financing program is, which actually I think still exists, but no one uses because it's just not nearly enough money to compete. Um, but, you know, if you reach a certain threshold of, of small donors, then you qualify to get a, a lump sum for your campaign. And, and some public financing programs, there's a second cutoff where, like, it, you know, you, you, you get the lump sum, let's say it's a million bucks or something. 
Um, and then you, you, you raise another, like, I don't know, five, or let's say, you know, 5,000 individual donations of under a hundred bucks or something, then that'll qualify you for like a second sum of money. Um, so that's kind of the traditional way of doing it is, is just qualifying by, by public support in the form of small donations. Um, there's certainly other ways to do it. I mean, you know, we can raise revenue in many ways as a government. So um, it could be just um, a, you know, a dedicated program like any other funding line in the, in the federal budget that um, allocates, you know, adequate money for candidates. Um, you know, uh, I think the presidential one right now is, is voluntary. You, you, I think you check a box on your ballot that says give $3 to this public financing program. Um so I don't think it has to really it shouldn't be anyone's choice. I mean, it could easily just be like a funding line in the budget. Um, but of course, that would that would entail the political will to make that happen and, and uh, Democratic majorities in both chambers. So we'll see if that happens. It might. Um, but uh, I think certainly starting with Congress is a good idea. Now, again, hypothetical. I'm a listener. You've convinced me super PACs are bad. We need public funding of campaigns. We need transparency. What do I do? How do I get how do I what's my next step? I wish I was better informed right now on the, the groups, the activist groups that are doing this. Um, I can't speak for End Citizens United. Um, they're they're definitely like they want to end Citizens United. In other words, end end super PACs and end the endless money. Right. Um, they also tend to back. They they support candidates, including some who do accept corporate PAC money. In other words, you know, money from a uh, Duke Energy PAC or or um, Pfizer PAC. Um, so that's not actually corporate money. It, it's money from the um, people who work at the company, but mainly it's the top earning people who have the money to spend. Um, so in other words, um, there, I mean, some people view them with a little bit of healthy suspicion just because, but I, I think their, their motive is to essentially um, get to where we, we have a democratic Congress that when we can pass some kind of law or amendment to get rid of Citizens United and, and take money out of politics. So you know, they, they have some inform informative stuff on their website. Um, but there's a lot of other pro-democracy groups, I think, that, that are also kind of in the fight. Um, Campaign Legal Center, uh, Public Citizen, these are nonprofits that are out there kind of filing lawsuits about improprieties in the campaign finance world. I'm sure they'd have some stuff. But again, I wish I was more prepared for this question. Um, I will also say just on the, on the topic of just improving our democracy in general and elections in general, um, Fair Vote is a really cool group because they're advocating for ranked choice voting which is just starting to appear in certain states and certain uh, local elections. But, you know, that's an, instead of um, voting for one candidate takes all, you vote for your top three and you rank them. And then there's a pretty simple mathematical system to um, to rank uh, candidates based on being first, second and third choices, not just first choice. So I think that's another thing to look out for. Check out Fair Vote and, and what they're up to. Um, because I think also in that scenario, it's going to change the laws of campaign finance, too. Uh, Inherently, it's just gonna it's gonna make people have to appeal to more people, um, and so it, it 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 I think the it'll be just interesting to see how it, how it pans out. I think Maine is doing it now, but um, it's also in its infancy. Alex, uh, thanks for helping me understand it. Hopefully, the listeners understand it better. Where can people find your work? Um, yeah, first place is just my Twitter. It's at Alex Koch. That's A L E X K O T C H. Currently, I'm a reporter for uh, the Center for Media and Democracy. That's exposed by cmd.org. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I have a website. You can Google me and everything. Um, but uh, I will I will see you all online for sure. And, and, you know, my DMs are open. So just don't harass me, please. Right. And we could like, you know, we'll look to you. Uh, what is it? March 20th. 
Is that it? When we get the the latest, it should pack, be uh, fundraising. It should be. I'll be. I'll be. I'll be posting. Lots of posting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jordan. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening.